a lady called for prayer. She says, can you pray for me? My water broke. I say, well, you better call a plumber. <laughs> I don't know what prayer is going to help. And then someone else called and said, well, I want to come to your church. Do you accept all denominations? I say, yeah, but we especially like 50s and 100s. <laughs> you get some weird calls, Pastor George. In fact, the IRS called. They said, is this Sanctuary Fellowship? I say, yes. I'm not going to give away the name, but it says, is there a John Smith in your church? I said, yes. He said, did he donate $10,000 like he said on his return? I said, he will. <laughs> I like sitting back there. You gotta... So if you could turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting in verse 1. It says, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. See, Paul... The who Pastor George has been speaking about every week. He was an apostle. He was a servant of God. But in Galatians 1, Paul said, I can't be a servant of God and a people pleaser at the same time. So you've got to make a choice. You're either going to serve God, you're going to answer to Him, or you're going to spend your life worrying about what people think. Well, if I, if I stand up for God, nobody's going to like me. If I speak the truth, maybe some people will walk out the door. And you know what Paul said? I don't care. You see, Paul loved the people. He cherished the people. He was willing to die, sacrifice, and lay down his life for the people. But if they didn't like the truth, if they didn't like his lack of compromise, if they didn't like the way he stood up for God, he said, I don't care because these people, you are not my judge. He says, only God is my judge. Because you know what's going to happen one day? There's a day coming, and we're going to get to it more in 2 Corinthians. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. There are two judgments. One is called the white throne judgment. That's not for the people of God. That's for those whose names are not written in the book of life. 
Those people are going to be cast out of the presence of God. But for those of you, you've got Jesus in your heart. You love Him. You're born again. One day we're going to have to stand before God. And as the Scripture says, He's going to ask us how faithful we've been with what He's given us. How faithful were you with, with the wife or the husband I gave you? Were you faithful with the children, with the ministry? Were you faithful when you were in secret? Were you faithful with your time? And one day we're going to have to stand before God and give an account, not, not for punishment. Don't you thank God that your judge is a loving, graceful father? Oh, I would be in trouble. But even still, all our eternity depends on what we did here on earth. We're going to have rewards when we get to heaven. God has treasures for us. He has great things for us stored up, but it all depends how faithful were you here. Not what man thought of you. You know what I found about people? They'll love you one second and, and, and you do one thing to make them mad and you got a knife in your back. How many of you ever noticed that? You can live to please people and worry, well, what this one's going to think and that one. The next thing you know, they're they already out there trashing you to someone else. They're already in another church talking bad about you. In fact, you know what it says in the book of Timothy? It says, in the last days, and we're in the last days, many Christians are going to gather around themselves teachers who are going to tell them what they want to hear. They're going to tickle their ears. In other words, I'm not going to go to a church where they challenge me, where they talk about sin, where they say it's not okay to live however I want to. I'm going to, in the last days, people are going to seek teachers that say, God just died to make you rich. He just wants all good things. You're just going to walk in the blessing and the prosperity. Don't worry how you live or how you treat people. If you don't believe that, turn on Christian TV. There's an example in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, of a king. He was the leader of the people of God, and his name was Saul. And he disobeyed God. He had chance after chance. God told him to do one thing, and he did what he wanted. Until one day, Samuel who was the priest and prophet, came to King Saul and said, because of your disobedience, God has ripped the kingdom away from you. He is taking away your authority. The word doesn't say that Saul fell on his face and repented. It says in First Samuel 15, you know how Saul responded? I know I have sinned. But please, at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. 
In other words, I don't care what God thinks. I don't care how, how, how I live. I just care that those people out there love me. You can't be a minister of God, a leader, or even a Christian. If you're more worried about those people out there than worried about what they think, we gotta start to care about what God thinks. And we gotta stop judging each other. The Bible says that God is our judge. One day I gotta stand before God and give an account how I, how I function as a pastor. What about the people that God gave me to minister to? I've got to answer to him. I don't need your help to, to sit and speak judgment over my life. If, if there's anything I hate and that God hates, I hate this with a passion to hear people say, well, rumor has it, please never use those words in front of me. There's no place in this church for you to trash people, to, to speak negatively. You're talking about God's servant. The word says that person's a servant of God. And when you trash a, a brother or sister, you're spitting in, in God's eye because that person is the apple of God's eye. And, and I'm tired of it. That, that's, that's why Chris, you see, he's standing, that big guy back there, the usher, he'll bounce you right out that door. Right, Pastor George, and you agree with me. There is no place in the body of Christ, and that's what Paul's saying. I'm God's servant. Who are you to judge God's servant? He said, it's hard enough to get through this life. You need, we need to speak life, speak encouragement over each other. Tell each other, you can make it, you can do it. There's no place for tearing each other up so that you can feel good about yourself. You see, King Saul, he, he, he only lived for the praise of man. And I've been in churches all over the world. And I've seen so many ministers that only live to be praised by men. I've seen ministers fall. And they don't care that they hurt God. That they, that they, they, they smeared God's reputation by their behavior. All they cared about, well, i got to get my ministry going again. I, what about, what are these people going to think? And here we had a mighty king. He didn't care that he let God down. That he dishonored God's name. All he told Samuel, I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to ask God for forgiveness. Just come to me so these people don't know what happened because i got to please them. Don't you, don't you thank God for a church here? That's why it's called a sanctuary where you can hear truth, where, where Pastor George isn't worried that, that the big givers are going to walk out. He just speaks truth week after week, not worried about who doesn't like it, who's mad. In fact, Paul said, I don't even judge myself.
Sometimes we can even be too hard on ourselves or too easy on ourselves. So we're going to leave judgment to God. I'm going to go down to verse 7. For who makes you, this is now Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And think you already have everything you need. You think you are already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. See, in the minds of the Corinthians, they were rich, they were popular. In today's terms, they had a TV show, a radio show, a big building with thousands of square feet. And they came, they said, we're rich, we're reigning, we're, we're taking over this town. I want to tell you a secret. Somebody walking in material blessing is not always a sign that God is backing them up. Because look look what Paul told them. He rebu- Paul rebuked them for their pride, for their arrogance. In fact, there were other churches like that in the book of Revelation. And to one of those churches, Jesus said, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. To another one, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You can have all the things in this world, all the fame. You can have a church of 30,000, and people could be thinking about what a good work you're doing. You can have a great reputation, and Jesus can walk right into the church and say, You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You're you're naked, wretched, and poor. You think that you're rich because you're successful in terms of worldly things. Do you know that the things of God are the exact opposite of the ways of this world? God is not impressed by fancy suits or $50,000 cars like we are. Oh, that minister, he's really blessed. He has has a $100,000 car. Praise God for His car, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're blessed. Because Paul said in verse 20 that the kingdom of God is not about talk and appearance. It's about power. It's about the power of God. You can have, a, you can have everything in this world. You can have beautiful, a church filled with beautiful seats. Central air conditioning, everything that you could want. And if there's no power to change lives, if, if, if marriages are not being changed, if sickness is not being healed, if lives are not being transformed, then we are dead. Yeah. 
Paul is confronting this church that thinks they're successful because they have material things. And I pray that every one of you is blessed with every good material blessing, that you have everything that you need. But that's not what life is about. That's what Paul is saying. I'm tired of that message that's being preached all over the world. But you need more faith to have more money and bigger houses and fancier cars. That's not what this life is about, Paul is saying. It's about pleasing God. It's about living for Him. It's about walking in God's power. That I can change the atmosphere everywhere that I go. That I can bring healing and deliverance and freedom. See, that's what life is all about. And, and for those of you who have heard that, that, that other message, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to go down to verse 9. It says, instead, again, here's Paul the Apostle speaking. Instead, I sometimes think that God has put us apostles on display. Apostles were the leaders of the church. Like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be so wise. We are weak, but you are so powerful. He's being sarcastic. He must have been from the Bronx. He's saying, oh yeah, you're so strong. And us apostles, us leaders, we're just these weak people. You're so smart and wise. We're just stupid. Even now we go hungry and thirsty. I want you to hear right now the mark of a true leader. I want you to hear what leadership is about, what being in ministry is about. Listen to this. We go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our hands to earn a living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to the present moment. How many of you want to be a church minister, a leader? How many of you want to be considered the refuse of the earth? You know why it says the end of a procession? Because back in those days when the Roman army would come into a city, they would conquer the city and take the leaders and they'd have a parade and put all the leaders in the back of the parade and bring them to the Colosseum and feed them to the lions. What, what is Paul saying here? What's the big deal? Oh, he went hungry. He went through poverty. When he was cursed, he blessed. Let me tell you what he's saying. This is the mark of a true man or a woman of God. And I know we have people here. You, you want to be that man of God. You, you want to be that woman of valor. 
And this is, he's telling us what's it going to take. The mark of God's blessing is not prosperity. It's not having an abundance of money, a new house, a new boat. Yes, those are blessings from God. But that's not his stamp of approval. It doesn't mean that God's put his mark on you. The mark of a true man or woman of God are the scars on your back. That knife that's sticking out. That somebody betrayed you. And through it all, through the beatings, through the hurt, through the difficulty, you bless but you don't curse. You refuse to walk in unforgiveness. You refuse to quit. See, that's where your authority comes from. Your authority doesn't come from man. Don't look to man. You know how many promises I have from people? I stopped listening. Oh, give me your phone number. I'm going to call you and we're going to set you up. Oh, I'm your hookup. We're going to get you in all these churches. We're going to get your book out to the whole. We're going to translate it in ten languages. That's what man has had for me. I got a lot of those knives in my back. I, I could, I, what I just read, and most of it has happened in, but in church through the people of God. Beatings and whippings. Betrayals. Hurtful words. But the authority, that's where it comes from. You see, Ephraim leading the worship up here, and he had a prophetic word that God's increasing his authority. You know why? Because Ephraim has been faithful through many hurts and woundings. Like the Apostle Paul. He's been told that his ministry, oh, there's something wrong with with that ministry. He's been hurt and wounded. People have spoken against him, but still his heart is filled with love. Ephraim, that's why God is increasing your authority. Hey, Pastor, Pastor Mark and Melissa, I've known them over 20 years. I've seen them get hurt again and again and wounded. But still they refuse to quit. They don't give up on God. When they're cursed, they bless. That's why God has put them in the place that, that they have right now. That's why when Pastor Mark steps up, begins to pray that the glory comes down. It's not because of his talent. It's because of what he's walked through. You see, his broken edge has become his cutting edge. The places where God has wounded you, where he stuck you with the sword. If you, if you can overcome... If you can get past it, if you can keep believing, if you can keep loving, God is going to raise you up as with such great authority. You see, that's why this church is successful and Pastor George is the pastor. It's not just about great preaching. It's not just about the great leadership and teaching ability. And Pastor George is a man of the Word, 
But in all the years I've known him, with all the hits that he's taken, and I've seen him go without money to pay his bills, without health insurance. And I've seen other people go through that and give up, but he refuses to give up because he saw the vision. He saw what God has given him. And he's been going ahead and going ahead. And he's been beat down over the years. I saw it. I saw it myself. And that's why God has raised him up. Why? Because he's been faithful to the call. Through the abuse. I, I, I've seen hurtful words spoken against Pastor George years ago. Over year after year. And that's what's giving him his authority. That's why, Pastor George, God is blessing you with this church and expansion and growth. It's because of your faithfulness. You've taken those blows. And I don't know of a pastor more loving and caring about the people. You see, there are fakes like King Saul. King Saul was a jealous leader who I mentioned before. If anyone around him got too anointed, got too popular, you know what he'd do? He'd throw a spear at him. He was so jealous. Don't worry, Ephraim, I won't give that testimony. That's a private joke. He was jealous of the people. He hated to see anybody be raised up, anyone become more famous than him. There are leaders like that all over this world. They crush a generation. If anyone becomes popular, they're seen as dangerous. And maybe that's been some of you. You've been wounded by some of that. But see, Pastor George, he's not threatened. He wants to see you begin to grow and blossom. And, and, and it tells us why in verse 14. It says, Paul told the Corinthians, you have 10,000 teachers, 10,000 people who will tell you what to do, tell you all kinds of stuff, but only one father. And it's the heart of a father to see, to, to see the people grow and not have jealousy. And that's why I thank God for the leadership of this church. We have true fathers and mothers who are not threatened. We we, we want to see you do greater things than we're ever going to do. It's the desire of my heart that you go to more nations than I'll ever go to, that you write better books, that you'll have more open doors, more opportunity. You see, that's, that's the heart of God. That, that's the heart of a leader. And we didn't have Pastor Appreciation Day this year. But, but we're going to have it today. So I, I just want to ask all the, all the church leaders just to come up right now. With, with the spouses, the pastors, leaders.
There's more of you out there. And I'm going to invite Melissa to come up. Because we just want to honor you today. I, I want to personally right now honor you as true fathers and mothers. As true people who have represented the heart of God. I, I want to personally acknowledge Pastor George today. As standing Firm for the truth, refusing to compromise, looking at scriptures that other people are afraid to preach and saying, well, that's in the Word. Whatever it costs me, I'm willing to pay the price. That's a rare thing that I have found in this place. And I'm not saying it because I'm a pastor here. So... We just want to honor today every leader, every pastor for your faithfulness. Because every one of you, you you could relate to that scripture. You've been beat and wounded through the years. Every one of these people have paid a price for the position that they're in. You think they just walked in and we saw a talent? We saw the scars. We saw the beatings. We saw all the angry words spoken against them in their past. But yet they walk in humility. Yet they, they walk in the love of God. So we just want to honor you. And right now Melissa is going to sing a song over you. So you can turn around and face Show. 
I spent so selfishly reaching out for what pleased me. Gary just asked me to um, share a few words just of appreciation to our leaders. And I kind of sit in a, in a unique kind of place where as a, as a leader, I get to kind of work alongside them. But I'm just as much a member of this church. I'm just as much um, part of this family, you know. And um, so it's a privilege for me first to just be able to sit with them, to be able to work with them. I can, I can tell you and I can attest that there are in a group of leaders more passionate about leading a church than this group that you see right here. They're an amazing group of people. I get to call them my family. And, um, but as a member of this church, I get to call them my pastors. I get to call them my leaders as well. And I can tell you that in the short time, we're on our seventh year now. I've been working with these people, but I've been going through my own stuff too. 
you know, I'm not a very, <clears throat> you know, I don't post all of my issues <laughs> on Facebook and stuff like that, but I know that I can go to them and I can um, count on them. And um, we actually had a, a couple's retreat kind of thing recently, and I shared with them, um, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing when you can be part of a church and have a group of people that can minister not just to my marriage, but they minister to my kids, they minister to, to my family. And so that, for me, is, is, is huge. And I just want to tell you guys that we appreciate you. I'm not speaking as a leader now. I'm speaking on behalf of this congregation. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the hours that you put in. Thank you for the work that you guys put in. You know, while the rest of us are kind of dealing with our daily grind during the week, it never ends for them. They're constantly figuring out ways to make this better. They're constantly getting in God's face trying to figure out what is it that that God wants to do with us next. And it's hard work. But I just want to thank you guys. I want to thank you guys on behalf of everyone here for everything that you do. We don't say it enough, but we love you. We love you. If you guys want to get up on your feet and say we love you. <laughs> and thank you guys. Thank you. remain standing for a minute because every week these people pour out over you on Sundays they're at the altars faithfully praying for you and you don't know it but even when they go home they're lifting your name up before God battling on your behalf so can we just take one day to pray for them right now that they would be the ones at the altars so I'm going to call those who are in the prayer teams on Gretchen's team, uh, on the healing team, the prophetic team, if you could just come quickly. I'm going to ask for those youth who are here, if you could, if you could come around past Lou and Veronica. I, I want to ask for those who are in the worship team to come and stand around Bird and Alice and Margie and Ephraim. And just let's just begin to pour back into them right now. If everyone here, if you could just stretch your hands. So come up. I'm going to ask you to go to them if you get a prophetic word. Whatever you get, but just speak a blessing over them right now.